Welcome to Skid Mark Show, the only award-winning podcast on the internet about cars and rock stars, because we thought of it first. Join our hosts Jeff Allen and Ethan D as they crisscross the country trying to get into car events and concerts free by promising to interview people for the show, and somehow they haven't been caught yet. Skid Mark Show goes into the pits and backstage at the concert, at least until they're told they aren't supposed to be there and get kicked out. So come live vicariously through us as we do the really cool stuff most people wish they could do, and record it for your enjoyment. Powered by Pinsoil. Hey, this is Ron Caps. You're listening to The Skidmark Show. Hey, what's up? This is Dan Donegan from Disturbed, and you're listening to Skidmark Show. What's up, everybody? It's Heavy D from Diesel Brothers, listening to Skidmark Show. Hey, it's Ethan D. Welcome to Skidmark Show. This is episode 89, part two of our Stuntman extravaganza. And on the show today, Stuntman Cord Newman. Cord's done stunts for the Fast and Furious movies, Bad Boys 2, National Treasure, The Dukes of Hazard, Transporter 2, and he was even a stunt rigger for Jackass number two when Jackass guys needed a stuntman they call Cord Newman. And Jeff's got him on the phone on Skidmark's show right now. Hey guys, as I promised you, this is a double shot of Skidmark's show, Stuntman Edition, all in honor of Hooper, the late Burt Reynolds, who did one of the most fantastic movies that showed the inside world of stunts. And then, you know, uh, being a product of the 80s, as I am, Growing up with a show like The Fall Guy. You know, the unknown stuntman that made Redford such a star. Well, nowadays, you would have to say that's true about Brad Pitt and some of those other great actors that you see out there. So our next guest is Cord Newman. And we're going to break down some stunts with you right now as we dial him up. Hello. Is this Cord Newman? Yes, sir. What's up? Hey, Cord Newman. It's Jeff Allen, and you're on Skidmark Show, sir. How are you today? Awesome, brother. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Just living the dream. You know how that goes. <laughs> Nothing but the best. That's right. So today we wanted to, you know, kick off one of our 2019 episodes of Skidmark Show, talking to some stuntmen, getting some behind the scenes stuff. You know, we get a lot of actors on, we get a lot of race car drivers, but I, you know, I wanted to dive into the stunt world. And that's one of the things that uh, you love to do, sir. Yes, sir. It's, I've, I've been at it for 22 years. Wow. And was this yeah. was this something that like you just decided at a young age I'm going to do this, or was this something that just kind of worked its way into uh, you know like some people just kind of fall into it, other people are born into it. How how did you just jump into this industry? Now see, you already stole my joke. You said some people are, uh, fell into it. Oh, okay. But anyway, <laughs> I uh, I was uh, I moved a lot as a kid. We wound up playing uh, playing football as a good way to get to know new kids and stuff. Each school we'd go to, and uh, and I wound up uh, playing ball in college. And then when that ended, I didn't really know what to do with myself. So uh, I uh, I moved to Florida with my family, and. Um, while we were down there, I met this lady, and uh, she asked if I wanted to be an extra. I went on to this show that I didn't really know what the heck was going on with. And uh, while I was in the, <laughs> the first, I don't know, four or five hours of being there, uh, I made friends with a PA. And he said to me he, he had to go do some work. I was like, cool, make me a star today. He said, yeah, sure. And I wound up with speaking lines on this film called Something About Mary. Oh, and, no way. And that's what kind of kicked it all off. And I became friends with one of the stunt guys on the show, which there wasn't very many. <laughs> and, uh, and we started working out together. And I'd had a history in, in uh, dirt track racing and stuff. So he thought that was cool. And um, we just kind of grew a friendship. And then my dad and I had a custom car shop in South Florida. And I was painting cars for a couple of the coordinators. 
And when they came in to pay their bill, uh, it was Artie Maleshi and, and Don Abatello and those guys. When they came in to pay their bill, they asked what it was that uh, that I wanted. And I said, don't pay a bill, just put me to work. And, and that's how it all started was <laughs> me doing a bunch of cars for free and and then those guys putting me to work. Nice. So, so a big, long, crazy story for, for me to get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that is that mainly what you like to focus on is the uh, fight scenes or is there is there the driving stuff? What What's your niche? I, well, I, I kind of have bounced all over it, man. I, I've been uh, I've been a stuntman for so long. And you the nice thing about this business is you, you get the opportunity to grow as much as you're willing to. And um I, I've I've got a number of records. Uh, my first world record was the fastest couch. I built a thing with my dad and did a TV show called Call to Greatness on MTV, and we did 93 miles an hour in a living room at El, El Toro Air Base in in California. Wow! And, uh, in a couch. And that, yeah, it was a couch. It was a. <laughs> it was it was pretty damn weird, but um, I basically had a Barca lounger mounted over the rear axle of this pickup truck, and uh, and we we drove that to 93 miles an hour. And the previous record was 87, I think. And uh, so that was kind of neat. And then that that sort of started us on a little a little ride because a bunch of us were doing that TV show uh, called The Greatness. And my buddy Jeff Galpin and my other buddy Andy Dixon, which Andy just passed away this last year. Um, Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thanks. But uh, but we wound up doing that show for a couple of years and did a ton of stuff. We we had the farthest jump in a hearse. I think, I think it was 225 feet. We jumped a hearse. Um, we did a 400-meter tunnel of fire on a four-wheeler. We did all kinds of crazy madness. But um, I, I don't, I've, I've been a rigger. Um, I have all my certs for that. So I, I've kind of done it all, brother. I've got a little over 1,000 fire burns. I have 378 car crashes. Um, that's I, I, I work with one of the teams that trains the U.S. military on driving. Oh, nice. And, uh, so, yeah, I kind of got to do it all. No. It's been really phenomenal. Is there any chance you're going to go back and try to beat your record with the 93-mile-an-hour couch? Actually, un- <laughs> <laughs> most retarded record in history. Um, hey, but you have actually, it, and that's what's important I, is to find that niche. I'm finding it's not just about <laughs> having a world record. You know what? I'm serious. I, it's funny you say that because we were talking about this the other day, and I'm like, maybe I should go out and get a world record. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do it? And I, I don't know, but there's got to be something that somebody hasn't done yet that I can accomplish. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I have a friend of mine who's called World Record Ron, and that he just picks out the most absurd crap that he could possibly do. I, he's got the most watermelons karate chopped in under a minute. Oh, nice. And, and, I mean, it's the most ridiculous stuff, but it's awesome because the dude's just acquiring this stack of world records, so it's pretty damn neat. Um, but, they, you know, I, I did that. I found out here, uh, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago that somebody had beat it at 106 miles an hour. So we've actually been sort of lightly, jokingly probably going to do it. Uh, talked about going out and doing it again because I know I could build it better and faster now. That was We did that in 05, so I've, I've got a little more experience now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Cord? I'm going to look you up if I ever need a fast couch. I tell, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's what I'm here for. You know, that way 
just help help America get a little fatter. That's right. never have to leave the couch. <laughs> That's right. Now everything you worked on, I was looking through your credits here, and you you know you did Too Fast Too Furious. You were a stunt driver on that, and then you did Bad Boys Two, and then Transporter Two. Um, what's the What's the one thing that you've worked on that you were just like, wow, this was this is epic. This is really something that that. It just, you know, was over the top for you. Well, uh, that's an interesting, interesting question, brother, because I got into producing a few years ago. Uh, well, a few years ago, about 15 years ago. And um, and I've, I've really had a lot of stuff that we've worked on. And I wound up doing a show last year that uh, if if it's able to come to fruition, we still have a little bit of a road to go. But if it's able to, um, we're going to help have an impact on all the stunt players around the world because it's going to be a show um, explaining what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and then what we do that's, that differentiates us between daredevils and stuntmen. And um, a lot of people uh, over the you know 20 plus years I've been in the business, a lot of people love talking to us about stuff and they always make the joke. So oh, you guys are your daredevils or you're this or you're that. And the, the reality is a good solid stuntman is not a daredevil. And um, this isn't the first time I heard this. So this is good. Yeah. yeah keep going. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the guy that started me in the business who I kind of looked at as a grandfather and I love him with all my heart. Um, he, Another one that another one that passed away. He passed away the seventh of July uh, of two thousand and seventeen, and um, it, just an incredible human being. His name was Glenn Wilder. Glenn Wilder started Stunts Unlimited with Hal Needham and Ronnie Rondell. Hal Needham is the guy that wrote Smokey and the Bandit and Hooper and oh, all the other. Stuff. Yeah, Hooper. You I mean, who, I, who doesn't think that that was just the best movie ever? You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. These guys are icons, man. And, uh, you know, the thing that Glenn used to always tell me, every stunt I ever did, um, I, I piped a Range Rover off the end of a pier in North Carolina about 16 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And I did uh, 70 miles an hour. Um, it was a 16 foot tall pipe with, with a two foot kicker. And then it was nearly 30 feet long. It was a massive, massive ramp. And it was built into the, the uh, deck of, of the pier that I was on. And I went 217 feet out into the water, and then I sank uh, about 22, 23 feet down before the, the I hit the bottom. And I would have been killed in that one 100% if it hadn't been for Glenn explaining to me all the things that had gone wrong on a show that he had done in Hawaii where another stuntman had literally been decapitated because of the way the windshield was configured in the car and the uh, the Lexan glass that they had used. He, he gave me a whole bunch of pointers, and every big stunt I ever did, Glenn was always there to tell me the best way to do it and to make things work better for me. Um, but what, we, what this whole show is that we're trying to do um, it, it's it's to put a little bit of light uh, to the world on the community, and it's also to try to influence the Oscars a little bit. And I know it sounds trite and a little bit silly, but you know when when the industry that you build for and the industry that you go out and you work your butt off, and you know technically we are the only ones in the film industry that wake up in the morning knowing we're putting our butt on the line. Everybody else, you know, they've got a lot of mental anguish and a lot of stress and, you know, pressure that way. But it's the stunt community that, you know, we're the ones strapping into the cars. We're the ones jumping off the buildings. We're the ones getting set on fire. You know, it's it's us that 
that really puts ourselves out there literally to try to make the the show the most exciting and, and most entertaining show that we possibly can. And for us to be completely ignored by the Academy is just absolutely atrocious. So do, do you think that core, do you think that's because that, you know, for years and years and years, the, the stunt man was the unsung hero, but was not ever supposed to be seen, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I understand what they're doing. Yeah. So, yes, I do think that that's a huge part of it. I mean, if if you go to the movies and you know the film you're watching that, uh, you know, Tom does a lot of his own stuff. Tom Cruise does a lot of his own stuff. Um, but he does have stuntmen that fill in when the things get too dangerous. There's a little company that lingers out there called the insurance company, and they, they only allow so much. Right. And eventually they tell you, uh, hell no, you don't get to do that. Somebody else does. Right. Russell Crowe is a perfect example. When he was doing Master and Commander, he had to make a deal because he felt like to be the character that he had to be, he had to be in the crow's nest for that opening sequence. He had to be the guy in the horrible storm that was leading his guys. And they flat told him, no, it's not happening. And so he was able to make a deal with them to where they shot that se at that sequence at the very end. And by shooting that at the end, you know, he made a little concession with the insurance company and, and they agreed. So they did it. Well, that's that's some of the stuff that is is okay to do, but it's also a large portion of the reason why the academy doesn't want us to be um, exemplified in any way and doesn't want us to be put out in any kind of spotlight. Because if you go to a movie and your big action icon hero, whether it be Schwarzenegger or Stallone or whoever, um, you know that he's just the talking head. No matter how much he does, there is a point where he has to sit down they don't want to have to explain to john q public that you know it's an insurance thing it's a thing that if the actor gets hurt then they have to put the the show on hiatus until the actor heals up like like when tom jumped off the roof a year and a half ago and broke his damn ankle um and they had to put the show on hiatus for three months you know that's putting uh, it's it's i i have kind of a weird uh, I don't really like that the actors do that, and it's not because I'm a stunt guy, but it's right. because they put they put everybody else um, in a in a bad position. Because you've got the grip and the lighting, and you've got all these guys and gals that are busting butt, and next thing you know, these guys are sitting there without a job, and they're waiting for everybody to get better, and they can't really take another job because that'll interfere with this job. And and insurance pays you to a point, but not everybody, and it's just a it's just not fair. And it's all for stroking egos and for making the person who they need to be. When the reality is, if we were just honest with the public, the public would think it's cool. But the pro when you do stuff like that, now you're taking the allure or the, the, the tough guy image away from the, the hero. And, and it, it they feel like it's going to hurt them. Personally, I think if... If, if anything, it's going to open up the, the world and they're going to be like, OK, so there's another set of people that are pretty badass and uh, maybe we should do something to say that these guys are are worth it. I mean, don't put a whole section into the academy. Just give the coordinators something. The other thing I find really exciting about the industry I'm in and, and being able to travel. And I'm, I'm sorry if I kind of run this off another direction. No, it's all it, this is good. We're going a different direction. It's all good. With if, it, if it's. It's something that I'm massively passionate about is is charity work. We um, 
we uh, I, I lived in Dubai for five years. My ex-wife was born and raised there. She was a British girl I met in Thailand on a film. And uh, she lived in L.A. with me for four years, got homesick and decided to move back to Dubai. So um, I, I decided, you know, heck with it. I'm going to go, too. So I took off and went to Dubai and I wound up making great friends there and and definitely being exposed to the culture in a, in a very cool and very unique way. And um one of the things that happened is I became business partners with a bank called Global Investment Bank, and I I'm a an advisor on the board there, and uh, we created a, a, a fund called the International Film Fund, and then that morphed into which was a 200 million dollar fund, and then that morphed into uh, what we're doing now, which is Elysium, and it's a blockchain uh, currency that is a trading platform for the film industry. And we did our, our soft launch last week. And uh, we, our partners in Germany, uh, Hendrik and them, are some of the best production companies in the world. And, and they really are just amazing human beings. But the caveat in everything we do is you have to donate 25% minimum of anything you make to what we call impact. Um, so if it's uh, you know you know helping to clean up the ocean or if it's a charity system where you've got um, you know an orphanage or whatever, you have to donate at least 25% of whatever you do to uh, to impact. And and then us inside the company with the bank, we do it at 50%. And um, We've got three schools in Jordan that we opened a year and a half ago that we have 150 kids in each school and 20 families in each of those schools. So we got 450 kids and 60 families there. And then I've got a friend of mine um, that has a company uh, that we had talked about when I got back from India in 07. And he started an orphanage there called Sunil's Home. And we work with them quite a lot. And they've got 90 children there. And that's what we're, you know, and then now I've been working with the guys in South Africa on a, a water project to take into the townships because the children there are dying between 30 and 60 a day. Um, wow. Uh, because of diphtheria and other issues, not to mention AIDS and HIV being a huge one. Um, so, when I found out about that, uh, my partner, uh, Stephen Mishauer and another one, which is uh, Peter Nuglin, we all got on board with that and tried to help as much as we could. So we've got a few initiatives running those ways. And then uh, I was in Atlanta this last week looking at a thousand acre property that we can put up uh, schools for the film industry, but I want it to be schools that help children that are in trouble. So um, if we can do stuff where we've got, you know, uh, an equestrian area and we've got an area that teaches stunts and an area that teaches effects, an area that teaches camera. And then we actually have a proper film studio on the lot where we are producing Hollywood uh, A-list films. And then as those people come into the to the studio, um, they're required to spend at least one uh, one day uh, for every month that they're there. I hope they do more, but we're going to require that they do one day for every month that we're there. Um that they have to come work with the kids. So if you've got somebody like Tom Cruise or Will Smith or whoever that's on a show there, then they'll need to spend a day with the children. And, and they can pick any one of the groups or all the groups or whatever, and then they can do things uh, to, to help motivate kids. And it's amazing when people like that get around children, especially children that have been in trouble or have whatever issues they've got. It's amazing the impact that even a few minutes talking to somebody like that can do for those kids. So that's, totally. that's where, 
that's where my whole heart goes. So I love my stunt industry and I love my people in my stunt industry and I, you know, the actors and all the crap you hear, like when Charlie went crazy about all the stuff. But if you know the story, you understand he's basically just throwing a big finger in the air going, you want to call me out? hell with it you call me out this is what i got well let, <laughs> let me tell you something it, it worked out well for him because anger management yes, it even it, it did great and eddie braun uh you know one of the things that's cool about charlie is, is he's not just i mean i'm not saying charlie doesn't do it for himself but he also takes his friends along with the ride you know so absolutely eddie absolutely. was eddie was made a uh executive producer i believe on on anger management and uh or, or just a producer i don't remember what the exact title was but uh he was given a healthy check you know yes. and, and, and 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 the nice thing about that was i don't think there was too many stunts on anger management you know that were needed <laughs> nope. but, i'm pretty sure i didn't see any <laughs> no but that's 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 charlie he takes care of his people that way you know um but- but, but see, that's exactly the kind of people that we want to be around and we want to have an impact with is guys like him. And, and, you know, it's why I went to his house a year and a half ago and sat there with him. And he was incredibly gracious about giving me an entire afternoon of his time to sit there and talk about things. And um, and that's when, you know, I again, just like a, a troubled teen or whatever, I, I was so impacted by how cool he was and and what all had gone on my brother was an attorney in hollywood for many years and my brother was had had known charlie uh, in his younger years very well and my brother used to always talk all kinds of stuff he's like dude this guy's freaking incredible and um and it was just really neat to get to finally meet him and it, it inspired me in a in a very unique way and it's actually what kind of pushed me harder not to get out of stunts because i'm definitely i'll never get out of it even when i'm when I every time I produce movies, I go back to getting to get beat up. Like this last year, I was in Colombia for three and a half months doing Jack Ryan. And, oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, I built all the remote drive systems and and then drove all the pod vehicles uh, for that. I designed a kind of a neat thing. My buddies do it also, but you know, of course, everybody always thinks their own design is the best. I thought mine was pretty cool, so um, we had a really cool pod design and did a bunch of crashing and sliding and blowing stuff up on that one, which I'm excited to see the season season two come out. And we got uh, we got told here a few weeks ago season three is is uh, on lock. So nice. I'm very yeah, super excited about that. If, you, if you need me, Cord, I'm just an air, I'm an airplane uh, flight away. Bro, you're right there. I'm man. there, I'm man. Sweating. I mean, <laughs> I, I can, I can, uh, I can definitely get beat up. That's for sure. That, well, yeah. you know, that's <laughs> I've got a titanium plate in one leg with eight screws. I've torn my heart. I broke my back twice. I've had 17 concussions, three skull fractures. I've broke every single rib at least once. Um, I've got a whole laundry list of crap. Uh, from playing ball in college all the way to doing stunts. And uh, I, I, the way I look at it, uh, an old friend of mine, an old stuntman friend of mine told me, he said, scars are a stuntman's tattoo. Uh, only guys that uh, aren't tough enough to have li- real life have tattoos. Ironically, I have four, but <laughs> 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 he always well, said, he's like, you know, just you got to be tough to have real real stuntman tattoos, which he meant scars. Right, so. <laughs> right. Well, I don't really want any of the scars, so maybe I should just look at it from the acting side then. <laughs> take, take, take that way. But I do enjoy Jack Ryan. I thought they did a great job of bringing that character back to life. Um, you know, Harris- oh, dude, and John John Krasinski is such a cool guy. We had such a great time. He's such a nice guy, and um, you know, our our director Phil was really badass. 
um, one of our directors. We had two. I only, I pretty much only worked with Phil because uh, I wasn't on one of the other units. But um, we, we just, dude, John is, he's, he's not what I expected at all. Because I, I, I know him as the guy from the office, like everybody says. You know? Yes, totally. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm on set with him, and the guy is just totally cool and he's talking trash like the rest of us and you know he had to ride in the truck while i was driving the pod and so he had to be the driver of the truck which the steering the brakes the throttle none of that crap sucked up so he's having to bs his way through it and um he was super cool about the whole thing every time and it was just a an absolute riot and columbia is beautiful all the crap dude all the crap you hear about traveling i really think our news media just does that so it scares people to not travel and to not educate themselves that everybody else isn't the bad guy um well you know you you, know, you, you, I, you say that but it's funny because uh a few years ago when our show was out the car chasers we got a call from history channel because we air over there on the history channel and awesome. they wanted us to go to medellin colombia to judge <laughs> a concourse and i said absolutely not I said, I, I, I am, there's, there's not one ounce of, you know, anything in me that says I'm going to go to Columbia and judge anybody on anything. Right. But I said, I will be glad to go there, meet the fans, you know, do whatever, because that's just, that's pretty cool. And, um, it was a trip of a lifetime. It was something that was never on my bucket list. It was never, you know, something I thought was going to be one of my first passport stamps, uh, was (laughs) to Medellin, Colombia, but (laughs) unbelievable people, unbelievable car culture there. Um, We would show up to these hidden places that, you know, just all I could think of was, you know, the days of watching Miami Vice, um, (laughs) you know, and and, and all this stuff. But we would go to these really killer bungalows and these mansions that were hidden and all these big car collections. And and most of these people, I didn't speak their language. They didn't speak mine, but we could talk car. And uh, it it was one of those memories I'll never forget. I mean, they did, they did pick us up in an armored car. Uh, I thought that was nice of them. And then, you know, because of Hollywood and uh, all the movies we've seen, uh, you know, the motorcycle deals is a little scary. You know, uh-huh. you always see those yep. motorcycle hitmen, right? And uh, I got to yep. tell you, every every stoplight, I was looking over at the motorcycles on both sides of me, and I was like, "Ooh, this is really a <laughs> this could be really an issue." And that's that's this was luckily past the point where they they outlawed secondary rider. You know, you couldn't have a rider, uh, somebody riding behind you. It was just single, yep. single riders only. So, and, hey, when you when you were there, did they have their license plate number on their helmet? I don't remember. I, I was um, too nervous to look at them too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well see now nowadays they, it's a it's a law that you have to have the matching plate number of whatever bike you're riding on the helmet and it's so that if you are in traffic and you're one of those motorcycle hitmen and you do something dumb <clears throat> then they've got you whoa because yeah. your helmets they're gonna see the tag on your helmet so even if you jump off and jump on another bike or whatever you do you can't escape yeah but that's cool that you that's cool with the jack ryan deal because that is beautiful country oh dude it was incredible we we rented uh bmw 1200s and took them all over the place uh my buddy amos and i i brought amos down to help me fabricate and drive and stuff and um all the car crashes i've done i've only been really hurt twice and both of those were ones i didn't build the cage in so now I'm kind of ridiculous about I have a major hand in. If not, I'm the one building the cage for whatever I crash or whatever I'm driving. And so Amos is somebody that I've been working with for years, and uh, and he came down with me. Um, 
on the topic of our own car shows, I, uh, I got somebody crazy enough to believe in an idea I had uh, last year, and he financed um, for a few hundred thousand bucks. He he financed a, a, an idea that for a, a film and a and a and the beginning of a television show called Outsider, and who knows what the hell we're gonna name it down the road, but. Um, it's a whole show that's kind of loosely based on my life. And we took a brand new 2018 Shelby GT350 and drove it from Florida to California, zigzagging all the way across the country on all these crazy adventures. And I wound up blowing the transmission up at 2,100 miles on the car. Uh-oh. And dude, oh my gosh, Ford stepped in in like this massive way. They were unbelievable. They pulled a Shelby off the assembly line took the transmission out, put it on a plane uh, with a, a, uh, <laughs> a shipping company that I won't name. Um, but uh, they sent it down to us and the shipping company failed epically. But then we wound up having Ford step in again. Um, and they had one of their guys in Memphis where the plane was apparently not able to fly from. And he drove it six hours to Joplin, Missouri, to the Frank Fletcher Ford that we were at. And um, and the people just put everything together and they got the car back on the road in three days. When I was originally told that that Mustang would be four months waiting for a transmission. Whoa. Yeah. And and then we were able to, again, because of Amos uh, Carver, what freaking amazing human being, um, <laughs> because of Amos um, he got Tombstone and the Arizona Marshals to shut down Allen Street, where the OK Corral is at. And we were able to do a high-speed car chase, first one ever filmed on Allen Street in Tombstone with my car and the Arizona Marshals. There you go. Court, another world record. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, another dumb-ass world record. <laughs> If you're going to have absurd records, I mean, maybe we should just make that a point. We should just start a show where we break records that are just ridiculous, like the most spoons washed. Right. Like I like this. <laughs> now I could do that. I, there's something I could do. <laughs> I say we do it, man. I'll just I'll just hand them to you. You wash them, and then we'll get like a pretty grill to dry them, and and that makes it all just work out perfect. And yeah, perfect. Be ridiculous. I think that's it. We just we'll come up with. Great show idea on how we can just break world records. Every episode. Absurd. Uh, absurd, absurd obscure. Yes. Obscure. Yeah. The more obscure, the more absurd, the better. Right? I'm in. I'm in 100%, bro. All right. <laughs> I've probably got a guy that'll finance it. There you go. There you go. Well, you heard it first, guys. Skidmark Show. You heard about it right here. Cord Newman, Jeff <laughs> Allen Productions going to team up. We're going to do the most outrageous, absurd world record show and uh, I think that'd be a hit right out of the box, dude. I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's definitely gonna get attention for a while. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, hey, Cord, thank you so much for being on Skidmark Show. I know the listeners right, bro, and fans you. really enjoy sitting there getting a look behind the scenes of what it takes to be a stuntman in this industry. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, brother. Bye. Drop. Thanks for listening to Skidmark Show. Don't forget, wherever you download your podcast, you can get Skidmark Show absolutely free, including iTunes, SoundCloud, CastBox, and, of course, SkidmarkShow.com, along with Podbean and many others. And no matter where you download your podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. And tell your friends about Skidmark Show. And follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Another episode of Skidmark Show is coming your way very soon. Until then, keep streaking across America. Thanks for listening to Skidmark Show. We'll have another episode full of facts 
best cars and rock stars ready for you soon. Until then, be sure to share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all social media. And leave us a five-star review everywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time, listen loud and drive fast when nobody's looking. Powered by Pinsoil. Pinsoil.